I won't be too long. There you go. Um, I'm a Leo Tech. I'm a um. So yeah, I'm a Leo Tech. I'm actually I'm a senior pharmacist in hospital. Okay. So I work in formulary management, and I also work as an interface between the CCG and secondary care, covering high cost drugs, um, and basically just making sure that everybody's caught um. Concord, have a concordance towards a nice technical appraisals mm -hmm. and um, national guidelines. Part of my role, and the other part is obviously looking at formularies, creating pathways, okay. and things like that. Yeah. Oh, so I've come. I've got a varied background as well, but at this moment in time, that's what I'm doing, and that's what I've just sort of um, resigned resigned to. <laughs> Call it a career break because it helps with my with my little one. So I'm calling it a little bit of a career break, but it's actually quite full on. So it's still a I was going to say, it doesn't yeah. sound like a career break mm, though. No, but it's not running around on the boards and it's not like clinical. So I guess from a personal perspective, the reason I chose this was because it allows flexibility um, in the sense that I don't I don't have to, the tasks are not imminent, imminent. So I don't have to physically be there mm -hmm. every single day or worry about cover. So I can always sort of make up the work sometimes, unless of course I've got finance queries which I have to justify. They have a tight deadline, but I can always sort of work around it generally. This is not like a very acutely ill patient that warrants my input or, mm. or the services are effective in that way. Cool. Well, yeah. we've also got Marie, the general manager from the UKCPA. So mm -hmm. for our listeners, could you just give a brief introduction as to what the UKCPA is about and, and what you do? Well, we're a membership association for pharmacists mm -hmm. and we organise education and training events. And but we also have um, network um, forums online so um, members can sort of tap into the forums to ask questions, share information yeah. um, and network as well. Okay. Cool. I have a lot of colleagues that have obviously inputted into UK CPA. Mm -hmm. It's been quite beneficial actually because um, I now see it's got in my role inevitably have a lot of pharma um, coming to speak to me and trying to propose their products but ultimately helping us create guidelines and pathways as well to help mm -hmm. support their product but at the same time look at the whole health economy. Side of things. So I have a lot of friends actually that now pharmacists working in pharma as medical liaison yeah. officers, for instance, or in medicines information, those kind of roles, and they've they've been identified through UKCPA okay. delivering presentations. Yeah, it's Lovely. actually quite. It's actually quite. Um, it's, it's it's actually. I think I think indirectly it does open up a lot of doors, a lot of networking and opportunities as well because mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it's you can argue it's like a clinical forum to advocate um, your almost like clinical expertise that people will learn from at all. So if it's deemed yeah. if it's deemed um, sort of appropriate to be delivered in a UK CPA forum, then that automatically sort of that automatically gives the in, in, indication that that person is relatively astute in sort of what they're talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that sort of, sort of things it helps, especially with the networking, um, yeah. because then from being a pharmacist, you're then like a lot a lone wolf at yeah. times. So being part of uh, associations and, and and networking essentially helps you get back out there mm. and open your eyes out to what what's around there and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, certainly when I was a junior pharmacist about eight years ago. Um. I would always sort of look at UKCPA 
resources and things like that you know just to just to gain ideas and clarity and stuff um at that time i was working towards a diploma as well yeah um but yeah it was you know at that time obviously we had clinical presentations and everything to do so i remember we'd, we'd look at that mm-hmm. but never, never, i don't think i've ever been to a conference actually if i'm being honest we were just so, talking like, about your conferences. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, excuse my ignorance, I didn't realise this was actually um, so affiliated with the UKCPA. I know it was, I've I seen it in in the sort of correspondence I received, but I didn't realise it was, it was actually driven by UKCPA. Well, she's helped organise it, yeah. Yeah. Helped <laughs> provide, yeah, just yeah, provide just so premises and uh, so, uh, yeah. things like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so... As an icebreaker question, mm-hmm. if you guys had an ideal job, what would it be and why? I'm doing mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, the sort of management and but enrolling an admin as well. It was for some bizarre reason because I, I quite like organising things and mm-hmm. I'm quite you know, sort mm-hmm. of analytical and methodical, but um, sort of at a more of a, a general type of level doing what I do now sort of ticks all those boxes I just How did you it. end up in the UK? Um, bizarrely I was um, doing a management diploma and um, I had already done the certificate and I was I was doing the, the second year it was an intense course and um, the awarding body of the diploma said that you had to be in a management position to be able to be awarded the diploma sure. and I wasn't I was in ad I was just in admin I was a second you know a secretary mm-hmm. to a college and um, they they said that they they would however award me the diploma if I applied for some management jobs mm-hmm. and so as part of my course I just applied for a number of jobs. Another one was at Walker's Crisps, um, and so I applied for a, a couple of management jobs. And um, I did get the Walker's job as well, but I declined that one and um, uh, took the took the UK CPA one. So you know, it wasn't really. You know, I, I was even then I was very nervous because um, literally all I was was you know a secretary doing you know bits and pieces and some business support mm-hmm. you know work knew that I wanted to be a management didn't expect to get offered a job as part of you know as part of trying to complete my course just so as I would would qualify mm-hmm. so you are your pharmacist no you're not all oh, right okay no so you help sort of coordinate everything here yeah but I bet you learn a lot though inevitably by yeah pick a few things along the way <laughs> I mean, I find my technicians sometimes, you know, um, they're not they're not pharmacist side though. They've not got, uh, you know, they've not gone through the route to be a pharmacist. But just in 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 the job alone, they've just learned so much. They'll tell you what bloods to check. They'll tell you the monitoring. So it's really you pick up those skills along mm, the way. They do. Yeah. They're quite helpful. It, it's how you it's how you sort of um, it's how you use them afterwards and how you make use of them as a resource. And it's about advancing them as well and encouraging yeah. that. And there's no harm in that because again, it's like some, it's it's like a form of sort of double checking something. Yeah. 
there's a lot to there's a lot to say for actually on the job experience and learning on the job i mean your, your qualification obviously is the seal of approval mm -hmm. yeah. but um quite often just because you don't have that doesn't mean to say that you don't you know ability, yeah, yeah. Mm. i mean when i'm interviewing as well um it, it you know achievements and qualifications obviously do speak for themselves yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, the references are very important because what I'm ultimately looking for is work ethic. So in the type of sort of recruitment that I'm sort of associated with, I am looking for how hard they're willing to work and how mm -hmm. much work they're going to put in. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's a pool of pharmacists out there. Anybody can literally do it. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to get somebody that doesn't have that work ethic, it's going to make that our drive. that service very difficult to deliver. Mm -hmm. Would you say, Ali, that you're you're doing your dream job? I think I am, funnily enough, mm. because um, I was, um, so my background is, uh, obviously, I was a pharmacy student at the Montfort, and I always wanted to work for Boots, but Boots never gave me as even a summer placement, <laughs> so, which, which was like, a co-op and everybody else almost headhunted me, lawyers and everybody, but I just had this thing about why isn't Boots? give me any opportunities but anyway so I did my pre-registration so before you qualify as a pharmacist my pre-registration year in a um, hospital because I thought if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna sort of sweat and bleed in that year I want I want to get something out of it and say mm -hmm. look at, the, at least you know I've got this variety and that was it so I went I did it in hospital and again I found that whatever you do in hospital is never enough you've not learned enough or you've not done enough so that drive alone was like, no, no, I want to do more, I want to do more, I want to do more. You know, I want to learn this now. Oh, what's he doing in oncology? I want to learn that. Or what's she doing with the total parental nutrition? I want to learn about that. So there's always something to learn. Mm. And that alone is like a, almost like a thirst for knowledge. I'm, I wouldn't say, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm a bookworm or a geek or mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I'm that way inclined. But there is that natural thirst, not, not necessarily for knowledge, but just to be part of that team and to be able to participate. So did I did so, so that's where it drew from from so my junior pharmacy training so when I became a pharmacist and everything my junior pharmacy training all was in hospital so I got a job in Birmingham Queen Elizabeth Hospital which was like wow it's a huge hospital it's like um, an airport it is it's, the airport. It's, it's huge mm. it's a tertiary centre I mean it's got NHS England give it funding for everything you see weird and wonderful cases there and as a pharmacist you're driven off your feet mm -hmm. like literally so that was so in terms of physical agility in terms of mental agility it was brilliant um it was really brilliant grounding for me but at the same time on the weekends i always did a community local <laughs> for pocket money and um and i, did, I did actually funnily enough i actually took on a boots midnight pharmacy shift again and never again never <laughs> again I, I kind of like understood why god was gearing me away from them but, but i did it I did it on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. It was fine. I did it, <laughs> but oh, I would have wow. now wouldn't go there because I'm thinking, well, it's it's just you know they 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 want to try and pay lit pay get get so much out of you for the money they're paying for you. Yeah, they don't yeah. want to give you any support. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you know it depends on the confidence <coughs> of that person, but I don't think it's safe. Um, but that was that. And then even now I still do locums in the community mm -hmm. on the Saturday Sunday whenever if I get the opportunity. Um, I do it. So between me and my husband, we both do that. Well, see, your husband's pharmacist. He as well. does. Yeah, he's okay. a pharmacist. He's locally today, actually, at the co-op branch in Lincoln. Um, and yes, and after Birmingham, so Birmingham had various rotations: mental health, um, Birmingham hospitals, lots of rotations there. I then had an opportunity to work in Leicester kidney transplant 
can we just yeah it was a locum low contract but i was ultimately covering the renal services kidney transplant and at the same time being surgical boards and everything but ultimately my responsibility was to come and lead um the renal boards here so how long so, have you been in your position now the current position yeah, you said so there's a pl flexibility I, yeah so after leicester i went to lincoln and worked as a mental health pharmacist for three years almost three years and baby and everything and then i moved over here as a promotion um so i've been here for almost it'll be coming up to two years in january okay in my current position yeah so I've when you a bit of jack of all trades but in my current position because it's an entire formulary and revamping mm -hmm. every single chapter in the bnf liaising with every single speciality um from oncology to mental health to the to emollients <laughs> creams and yeah. you know, like <laughs> absolutely everything and then sort of the other half of the week I do high cost drugs for CCG funded high cost drugs and make sure that is that adherence is happening by clinicians who mm -hmm. have a lot of clinical freedom but yeah so that's that's working well I mean I really enjoy it because I find the I find the fun in it What's one of the qualities you'd say you love about yourself most? Mm -hmm. I, th I think that um, a quality. Just I'm quite I'm quite a, quite open minded. I'm calm and quite open minded, and I I think I can I can listen. Mm -hmm. I can sort of have an opinion on something, but then leave it and then. You know, I could be open to chat. You know, to change that initial opinion, just as so long as I've got that that time. And I think it's having that. Um, it's almost like a, a flexibility in in my decision making, almost. Mm -hmm. So. So. Very calm. So it could be like a storm or a war outside, <laughs> and we're all very calm. So. I, I do, I do, I do think so, and, and um, that has been said of me at conferences as well. You know, sort of when you know all around is is madness, yeah. and you know. I see it seems to just be floating by or that nobody's really, you know, noticed me, you know, sort of uh, get stressed or anything. Well, I am sort of, I guess I'm a bit like a, a duck on water, yeah. you know, above all, I'm just, you know, floating along underneath, I'm, you know. What's your star sign? Virgo. Okay. Oh, my daughter's a Virgo. She's not calm there. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was just thought, okay, because that that's something that gets said about me. Um, it got picked up when I was in, uh, when I was a pre-reg. So I've had you. You've stolen so calm. It's like, what am I? Like, yeah, whatever we chuck at you. It's like, yeah, okay. Like this, it's a, it was a very busy pharmacy. We did over ten thousand items. Um, they're like, yeah, you just never show it. I'm like, yeah, because it will get done. <laughs> what get can done. you do? It's just about saying the hours. It'll get done. <laughs> so, I'm not worried. It was like last, last week my husband was poorly started to cover his shift. As soon as I've walked in, I've got so many downloads and so many scripts. I was like, okay. Hmm? Like, it's going to be a busy day. I was like, yeah, yeah it's okay. fine. It's fine. And then and they said, well, you know, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> so I turned around and said, look, I'm not here to <laughs> It's fine, we'll do what we can. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm here, but, you know, it's all subject to who walks into the shop. You don't look at everything in perspective, really. If, mm -hmm. you had, if the shop was closed and you're doing it, then, yeah, we'll probably get it done. But you've got walk-ins, whatnot, you know. And what do you love about yourself, Ollie? Um, 
it's taken me a long time to love myself actually <laughs> i think yeah. it comes with age doesn't it yeah and i think the calmness and that perspective also comes with age yeah. and maturity mm-hmm. and life lessons maybe okay so i don't know i think i think what i like about myself is that i, I i've come kind of i've never i've never actually been influenced by anybody so nobody really had influence on me so i, I, don't, I wouldn't say i like to follow people mm-hmm. unless this my teacher or somebody like that but I wouldn't like to follow trends or follow people mm. or something. I like to have my own style, my own sort of, sort of like use my initiative and my own innovative ideas mm-hmm. to get things. So I'm very sort of, like, my mum says I'm very self-assured and I can sit by myself. I'm the only child, you see, so it doesn't bother me okay. if nobody's talking to me in a room. I'll find a way to entertain myself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. So I think that's a really good quality because um, I think I don't depend on anybody. Yeah. My husband sometimes hates it because he's, like, too independent. Yes. <laughs> like, sometimes it's case of a hold on, there's two of us here. Yeah. This is a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> there's and two of us here. Like, you're very independent. Like, there's independentness comes out of me. So I'm quite I'm quite compliant to what he says. And, you know, I'm just, like, or, or like abiding to what some, most things he says because it works for me. But it's, if at the moment something doesn't, I'll be like, look, I'll just go myself. I'll do this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, you know, you're just too independent. Uh, doesn't it? Are you not scared? Are you not scared to do? Are you not scared to travel there? Are you not scared to do that? In my, my job, I cover the whole of Lincolnshire, which is a huge mm. county. Mm-hmm. So you know, my from one site to another site, you're talking thirty miles, sometimes forty miles. You know, and I've been doing that since I've moved to Lincoln. Whereas my husband has the poshest car, but he just goes <coughs> from two miles from his house to the hospital. <laughs> that's, his, that's his drive, you know. But yeah, and um, literally. I think it's not very car efficient. Just killing the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, he gets his pride for that ten minutes or five minutes of because it's his baby. <laughs> anyway, so he's so I think yeah I think for me, um, it doesn't bother me if sometimes if people don't talk to me. It, it sometimes it, it, I think the only part of it might upset affect, affect me is if they're upset by something that I've done and I'm not aware yeah. of it and I haven't had the opportunity to apologise or mm-hmm. rectify myself yeah. or just give my version of what's happened because sometimes you obviously do things you don't realise yeah. yeah you're being rude because you're so you're just doing it yourself and you're yeah. not actually looking at anything else and, and so, stuff and sometimes some, somebody could be having a bad day and they just could be really really sensitive to everything and they're just looking at things in a completely different way. And your, your little actions could just sort of have so many connotations to them when really you're just like just trying to, you know, just you're in a rush or you're just trying to get by or mm-hmm. something, you know. Yeah. So I think that's the only thing sometimes that I don't, I mean, that's the only thing that pays me. But I'm quite, I'm quite happy with the fact that over the time, I'm, more, I'm quite self-assured, yeah. confident. And the only thing I don't like about the fact is when you're a mom, you're always worried about your children, even if they're like healthy running around mm-hmm. the warriors, you know, but yeah. you're still like, oh my god, what if they fall down and break their leg? And what if they fall yeah. down and this happen? And at the back of your mind, you have this <laughs> worry and you're never at ease um, because of that. So you could be stuck in a thought before mm-hmm. my child. I'd be stuck in a thought. I'd be like, yeah, what am I going to wear tomorrow? Or how, how will I do my makeup tomorrow? Or how will I, um, I don't know, what will I eat tomorrow? Or something. And then that would be my worries for the day. But like now if I'm stuck in deep thought mm-hmm. and I've got that kind of time, I'd be like, hope she's okay, I hope nobody's hurt her or 
I hope she's not being hit at nursery or mm-hmm. I hope nobody's hit her nose. I hope she's not had an accident. I hope she's not crying. I hope she's not I hope she doesn't think I left her. Like so many yeah. things happen. Like from their physical health to their emotional health to their mental health. Oh what if she's <laughs> what if at the age of fifteen all this comes back to me and she's like messing up and <laughs> And you just have these worries, don't you? I don't. <laughs> I think I think I I think I do. I sometimes maybe it's just me overthinking. Yeah. But I am the mum that if she falls down I won't pick her up, I won't run to her, I'll be like, pick yourself up, yeah. sort yourself out. Yeah. But at the back of my mind, I'm always like, I hope she's okay, yeah. I just hope nothing happens to her. I think because I work in a hospital and I see cases as well, mm-hmm. and you just think how things can just suddenly just change. Yeah. In circumstances, change, you know. I think one of the qualities I love about myself is that my brain somehow can just switch it off. I can just be sitting there and I can just switch it all off and my husband is absolutely amazed by it because you just switch it on like a light switch and switch it back off you're not thinking you like you know like you don't you got some people out there like overthink and, and things like that so like when I'm running the business or I'm, I'm working on something or I'm doing something for the students then I'm in business mode yeah but as soon as I hear the baby cry switch mm-hmm. off yeah baby's focus Da, 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 and, yes. and and I can quite easily do that and then when it comes like six six seven o'clock at night I'm like okay switching it off now I'm having me time <laughs> and he's like how do you do that and I'm like I don't know I've just developed woman. it <laughs> partly your woman as well he's not he's not the right possibly um, yeah the but he's 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 <laughs> envious of it absolutely envious of it he goes because you just that's how you're able to do so many different tasks throughout the day and actually get things done whereas there he is doing the same thing but could be doing it over two days and I'm like come on <laughs> come on it's about being mentally organized isn't it yeah it's about being mentally yeah. or in compartmentalizing mm. your work so sometimes I understand where you're coming because sometimes you know when it's one of those days where everything gets thrown at you I'm just talking from work as well so you just have to sometimes say actually do a bit of everything what, what how much you can do in a certain yeah. amount of time yeah. and then yeah yeah just a lot of things get done try and get it done so first it's first that first that and just get into that mode so i guess like some people might sit there and cry or might sit there and well, i thought i thought i'd be one of those people that sit there and cry but when i'm in that position just get on with it what mm. made you think you'd be that sort of I person i don't know i just think i just thought like other things made me cry like my relatives and stuff but, you know, but they make me cry, you see. I just don't find out that I might just break down. But I guess that's a different matter, isn't it, all of a sudden? You know, that's just Asian politics. And stuff. Why, why did you choose pharmacy? I, To be honest, um, so I didn't have... Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't think I had, at that time, I had academic capability to be a doctor because they only wanted straight A's and A stars to follow and everything. So I had, like, a variety, had a variable grades between A's and C's. And my essays were hard as well, so I didn't think I'd ever get meet the requirements to, to go into medicine. And when you're looking at the lifestyle, it was just at that time, junior doctors would just, when, when you're applying for medicine, junior doctors were rushed off their feet and everything. And I just thought, it, I, I don't know if I'll, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to survive that kind of, um, that level of physical, you know, agility. Um, but I did pharmacy because um, then, then I, I did some shadowing at dentistry, but I did pharmacy because I felt in dentistry you're just looking at one speciality. Yes, you're an expert, that, but outside of that, you may not know much. But with pharmacy, you kind of know a bit about everything. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what I liked about it. I liked having that awareness of everything. And that's what I felt pharmacy can offer. Um, and even in medicine, eventually they specialise, unless you're a general practitioner mm -hmm. as well. But even then, that's like, so partly like being a ph community pharmacist, you're kind of limited with what you can import. But yeah, I chose pharmacy because I just wanted to, just wanted to know about in a position where you can, you know, you can know about everything. Somebody could come up to you with something about the foot to the eye to dermatological problems and you'd have an idea about how to mm. at least heal them and mm. treat them about it. And I think partly it was because of um, the research element into it as well and development of new drugs and all that has always interested me. Okay. Yeah. So you've always had some sort of um, science -y background? I would say, yeah, I was always pushed towards science. By family? Yeah, my mum. My dad was. My dad's actually fashion orientated. My dad's in the fashion industry. My mom's in the science, and my mom always pushed me towards science. I was never good at maths. Okay. The calculations did were like this pain in the. It was me trying to get out of maths, and also that partly reason pharmacy didn't command maths so stringently, whereas all the others, I think they do now. They but do at that now. Time, yeah. At that time, they didn't command. A maths like AF level yeah. or anything like that so you could get away with not having advanced maths um, so you know like he said with like medics um yeah. it's quite full-on it is quite full so on, would yeah. you say pharmacy I think in it itself be, yeah. is quite full-on I think so because at that time I just thought it's a community pharmacy and at that time I think MURs and everything were just starting coming, starting mm. so community pharmacy was becoming quite exciting actually um, so it wasn't just standing behind the chemist or standing mm. behind the counter sorry and it wasn't mm. that perception of the glorified retail retail <laughs> it was it was actually becoming quite exciting um but then i think yeah and and to, and then much to my knowledge when i went to hospital now i know there's so many there's actually quite a lot you can do in pharmacy if you're willing to be innovative take risks and yeah mm. there's actually quite, the there's thing. actually there's actually a lot actually it's you know, it's not as limited as people make it out to be. Yes, it is saturated, but it depends which way you're aiming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you, I think sometimes with patients and everything, you know, you can still get to wherever you want to get to. But I think now, even with doctors, they have a better contract to support their working patterns. Back then, when I was applying, I don't think that was in place. They were just doing mm. crazy shifts and There's changes going habits. along as we, like, like now. Yeah we keep hearing about um, equality, mm. equal rights, equal pay and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, we're having more women in pharmacy panels and, and things like that. What made you come to like a, a women in pharmacy event? Do you think enough has been done? Well, it's, it's, that's a difficult question for me because from um, a UK CPA perspective, um, our current chair is a woman and mm -hmm. um, we've got quite a number of um, chairs of our groups that are women. Um, obviously Catherine Duggan who is a past uh, UK CPA chair was yeah. uh, you know head of uh, education and development at RPS, she's now moved on to it. So there's always been um, uh, positive stories for women in pharmacy from leadership, from, from where I, I see, you know, I mm. see it. So when I saw that there was a call for a women in pharmacy get together, it was sort of like, I'd like to go to this because I'd like to see, you know, where, where, who else and where else there are opportunities or there, there are challenges. Mm -hmm. So because it's not necessarily 
or it's, it's not really apparent from where you'll see from where I see it now so yeah I think you've seen a lot of women in leadership roles as well and I think from education and training it is a lot of it is driven by women especially in the mm-hmm. East Midlands area from, from what I've just observed as well mm-hmm. so a lot of my sort of education and training leads and people do all women yeah, so if I look back at you, my university life, there were more women lecturers than men. Yeah. But is that because there are more women pharmacists than men? Uh, I haven't got the full stats to my hand. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure it's something like 60%. But I think when people say that there's an issue, I think they look at it more from a corporate point of view. Yeah compared to an independent point of view. Independent shifts, I probably do see more male owners, but I do see some female owners. Mm. In the corporate world, they say that career progression aspects are there, we don't discriminate, but I can quite openly say I was asked at least five times before I got to my position, don't get pregnant now. (laughs) Don't get pregnant now. You can't afford to get pregnant now. And you're not, you shouldn't be saying stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But when you look at it and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm a branch manager at that point in time, and you're looking up and you're thinking, who's the regional managers out there? They were all men, mm. apart from like one woman, just to make it up. I've got a woman on board. And, yeah. and sometimes that woman has chose not to have families, or and, and therefore they don't understand your perspective. Or your situation even. Mm-hmm. And I've come across that when I felt pregnant mm. with mental health. One of my colleagues was not supportive at all. She was just not supportive. She was very driven, career. I respect her for that. But, th- that you know, th- th- we had clear maternity policies in the hospital yeah. like you do. Even then, despite that, she was making it very difficult for me. In the end, I had to go through HR. And I had to go through formal routes just to stand up for the rights that are that have been fought for me for many years ago, yeah. you know, yeah. from many years ago, just to, just to, and, 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 you know, HR and everybody were very supportive, they said that, no, this is your right, you know, these are your keep in touch days, you have a right to be on maternity, you can't be, so basically they were trying to call me from my maternity leave as well to come back and, yeah, yeah and I know, and then my, my manager herself said that, you know, we can't, she was mm. she was quite, obviously she was aware of the player read the policy, and then um, she was aware of that, she said, no, um, we won't, you know, you take your time. And I said, look, I genuinely can't. My daughter's, you know, like, I should, not that I have to give that explanation, but my daughter had reflux, and I wanted to just make sure that had settled before mm-hmm. I officially go to work, and mm-hmm. however long that, that can take. Um, but, yeah, no, literally, she made it very difficult for me. I can't go into nitty-gritties yet, but it was just very difficult, extremely mm-hmm. difficult. So that was from another woman, then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. A bit younger than me, a couple of years, but very driven. Yeah, it's very driven, and and you know I've just noticed that she does. I don't think she's had given. She's had. I don't think she's given birth or been pregnant or anything. So when you're pregnant, you know sometimes you have hospital appointments and stuff like that, which are again, in our policy, our right to take. Yeah. Um. And no, no, you know she'll kick up a fuss and everything, but but then it was always overridden by the senior seniority saying that you know there's not much you can do about this because Alia will go to her. Because I'm like, you know, up to here, my stomach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, and, so um, yeah. Do you think there is a problem in the profession then, in terms I think, of... I think, I think not necessarily, not necessarily men. I mean, I have come across a chief pharmacist that didn't like a woman that got pregnant, mainly from a service Not just from a pregnancy point of view. I mean, that, that is 
one of the they factors. don't say that is one of the main factors as to what makes their decision in the end of the day. You do get some women that are head of companies, the CEOs and, and things like that. But bloody hell, they've got some balls on them. Oh, yeah. Because they, you go through it. You do really, really go through it. You get it against the men, the women and things like that. You've got to get, get that extra layer of skin. Time definitely you get to that stage you have got definitely. that extra layer of skin and you know like you said you know it, they've probably been through all that they've been through it all so but it's a yeah. case of um do we have to go through that in order to develop because then that building that extra thick skin is what's gonna have that empowering role of being ceo or regional manager or or, or things like that because then you have to develop that sort of thick skin mm-hmm. or is that that journey there completely not necessary because if you've got that skill sets required for that position do you need to go through that amount of ridicule or judgment beforehand because then that in a sense in my eyes it's not empowering you because it can disempower you because like you're thinking well hold on i've done so much i think I mean, I know there's always going to be this, the this, the slide can always sway either way, essentially. Um, and one question I did pose at the pharmacy show uh, to the women in pharmacy panel was, it, at times I feel, okay, we have panels that are out there, um, and this is hopefully one of many events to come. Um, but I'd love to see some men, yeah, in on the discussion. I'd love to see some men from the corporate world above on on stage and and actually answer these questions for us. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I can just use my husband as an example as well. It's just some situations that I've been through, he he shows a lot of empathy, Mm -hmm. but sometimes he doesn't, depending on what we've all sort of been through. Um, so, for example, childcare prior to us having a child, he wouldn't. I don't think he was. He was oblivious to the challenges and everything of mm. it. You see, but now he totally. You now he uh, he looks at it from a different perspective because he sees the challenges that we go through. So it depends as well. Sometimes I'm not saying that is a deciding factor because if you've got a re- well-read male person who has who under- who's got an understanding of everybody's situation, he should be fair in how he sort of deals with everything. Mm-hmm. But but sometimes it's sometimes you know if he's been in that situation himself then like you're likely to get more of an yeah. empathetic response but do you think he'd understand it more because of the fact because of the fact that he is a pharmacist well, like, I think my husband's a pharmacist yeah. and he completely understands the pressures that i went through and completely yeah. understood it and i think it'd be very difficult if i didn't have a husband that was a pharmacist mm. Yeah, I think from a pharmacist's point of view, he understands, but also from, just from a general professional <coughs> point of view, he understands as well mm-hmm. now. Um, so even if he was a doc, even if it was any other profession, um, I, I think that's just... I think from a, pharma, yeah, from a pharmacist's point of view, I mean, he himself, when he does the road from a service point of view, somebody gets pregnant, you know, he has to sort of foresee, you know, the maternity time and this and the other. And I always remind him, I go, you know, it's good planning, but just remember, until the baby is born, there is no maternity because in between that time, something can still go wrong. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's gonna go wrong, but you still have to give them the same sort of rights if they want to work until nine months, whatever. They have, they are entitled to because technically speaking, the baby's not even here yet. Mm-hmm. So there's all these little reminders that we kind of 
drill into him but i understand where he's coming from because there's that uncertainty and if you live if you're working in an area like where we're working we're so stretched for pharmacists and so stretched for services and just generally stuff it does become a little bit problematic but maybe if in a saturated area it may not be as problematic i don't know you might be able to have people to gap fill mm-hmm. relatively quickly but just generally with the way pharmacy is going um, we just generally government is not giving us a lot of funding anyway for our profession mm. so we're having to stretch a lot of our um, sort of delivery of services anyway and um, there's a lot of sort of rules out for low coming in the hospital as well that has also in, had a marked effect of how quickly we can get locum and the quality of clinical locums that we receive now as well so with you being a non-pharmacist Marie what challenges or have you seen any challenges that women have had to face within the profession? Um, From an outside point of view, different set of eyes. I don't don't think so because that's not really something that I get to, I get to see, you know, Mm -hmm. I get to see it's more um, the, the, the challenges within sort of um, the, the remit of their role um, and it's it's not necessarily just a, a, a woman only you know sort of challenge it, it could be a, a male challenge as well so I haven't haven't really sort of see, seen any of those those, those challenges okay. and, and I think that's probably because um, that there are some strong leaders within pharmacy that you know, you know that that um, uh, put, participate and uh, you know put into UK CPA. That it's all you almost get that. It could even be a false perception that um, you know that women are quite you know assertive and strong and you know are well served. So you know it's not a not a conversation yeah. that has really you know really come up. I think there's two types of women out there. There's women out there that are very driven they know what Mm. they want because they've got that sort of to-do list and task and they want to accomplish and and still achieve and things like that but then there's women out there that lack in that confidence um of even asking the basics of like i'm achieving all the things that you want me to say that i need to achieve but i haven't got the confidence to ask you for a pay rise Mm. or or anything like that and i think that in a sense, needs to be addressed wide nationwide. Anyway, pay pay is completely separate. The, the pay I could talk about for donkeys. <laughs> um, uh, I just I don't know. I mean, I think in community pharmacy, it's probably much more challenging because yeah. I don't mm-hmm. I don't find it very family accommodating, or just being in social, community, yeah, or just yeah. being socially accommodating. I don't find it, <coughs> um, and the hours are not. They're not child. They're not child friendly. friendly family mm. friendly. Um, and just generally the, the the kind of work you're kind of seen as a sort of rebel for just sitting down when you know like you're on your feet all day standing and checking. So you have you really you should be allowed to sit down. I don't see why you can't sit down and check. In some places they're very strict. Yeah. And um in some and and also it's all to do with um. You know, you are a pharmacist. End of the day, you know, you've got a clinical hat on as well, mm-hmm. and you have a clinical duty. If you see a patient on polymedicines, for instance, and so many medications, sometimes you do want to intervene, 
but then also at the same time there's not much you can do because they just don't give you the empowerment to yeah. do so mm-hmm. in the sense that you know you're then sort of all of that is superseded by the gp or by your area manager targets and everything mm-hmm. so you kind of like turn a blind eye to things and you won't never get called up on it because you've not been okay you've not been given that responsibility but responsibility but at the same time it's not on their priority list when really you know they should give us that kind of empowerment and they should give us that kind of um almost that responsibility to make that decision it shouldn't be target driven it's not mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a business it's a service mm-hmm. um and they've just turned it into a business if they want a business, then have that over-the-counter, you know, medicines and sell those deep heats, whatever you want to sell, make that into a business. But they're making this whole dispensing of just basic playing around with other people's health into some sort of business. Yeah. To the extent that if we were to stop something or intervene in something, we'll be seen as in, you know, inhibiting their business prosperity. <coughs> mm-hmm. Then they won't be looking at the fact that okay, we've just. We've just we've just stopped a patient from taking unnecessary medications and yeah. having unnecessary effects, whatever. They'll just say, "Oh no, that's one less medication dispensed from our shelves." So would you say and um, it's community that's destroying? It is community pharmacy that's destroying the profession in the customers' eyes. Not in the and customers. the government's eyes as well. Not 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 in the customers. I think in the pharmacist's eyes as well. And 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 and, and I, I do stand corrected. I'm sure there's pharmacies out community pharmacies out there that are functioning fine they've got a rapport with their little community whatever but generally the fact is there's more community pharmacists than there are in any other sector in pharmacy that is the ratio of community pharmacies to hospital pharmacists to industry whatever is much far greater and they need to make it more accommodating for us you know they need to give us some more empowerment you know we need we need some changes like Sid Dijani made few years ago about the new pharmacy contract we need something like that to come into place now something strong something that will give us that empowerment you know now what's happening is that now now pharmacists are trying to their whole aim is to get away from community pharmacy mm-hmm. and um, go into another type of under practice pharmacy or whatever GP practice pharmacy whatever okay fair enough but who's gonna then stand in the community and give us those medications you still need that safeguard you still need that safeguard and no it's not a robotic system that check is quite important yeah it just shows that check is quite important and and the thing is there's not much emphasis that's being the people have just become very dormant in community <coughs> pharmacy and yeah i have my own views that you know from from my background i find it sort of less clinically challenging but i'm not saying it doesn't have challenges i'm saying mm. from a government's point of view from a legality point of view community pharmacies does have challenges you have to know more marketing authorization rules than i'll ever have yeah. to know in hospital mm-hmm. pharmacy you know anybody can walk in and you know you have to make a decision how quickly they need to go into a and e and how quickly or, or whether they can self-treat and that is a lot of pressure on somebody it's multi-hats as well mm-hmm. community yeah. you've got the clinical hat on and you've got the business hat on as well yeah and you shouldn't have to have the business hat on then if they want us to have the business hat on then they should modify our our courses at university and give us a business module yeah mm. Which I'm is, sorry, because because business is completely it's not, different. It's not taught at university. It's not at all. And I'm 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 doing financing at hospital level, but it's completely different. And I'm not even expected to have half the pressure on finances. You know, I you know the figures and everything don't make a difference to me because clinically, if it's appropriate, whether it, whether it costs one million or one pound, you're paying it. Mm-hmm. If there's a clinical need, that's as, <coughs> that's how I stand. Mm-hmm. There's no way we can undo that person's condition. The NHS will pay for it. But in 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 um 
sort of in community, you know, there's it's just it, they're being forced to be some sort of business yeah. people, and it's the men that tend to be yes. businessly acute. Unfortunately, the genetics tend to sort of dominate in the male um, gender, because and that's why they excel. To worry about. Yeah, they they excel in that because that's what they do. They save money here and do this and do that. That's how they work, which is fine. But what I'm trying to say is that that's not what we've been taught at university. That's mm. not what we come out with holding a degree. Yeah, that that's one thing that I I've I've discussed with many students. I mean, I've talked to thousands of students uh, on a yearly basis, and very much agree with you, Leah. They they're all running towards hospital. Why, Every yeah. single pharmacy student, and percentage-wise, they're based on numbers that I've spoken to. A good ninety ninety-five percent of them are all saying hospital. But like I was saying with Marie earlier on. There's only hospital, how many hospitals yeah. out there and how many pre-reg positions available in hospital out and, there. And when they come so, to hospital. you know, that in itself is going to get quite challenging. So that's a challenge, separate challenge. But then you've also got the challenge of, like you said, what we're facing is that people are running away from community. People yeah. are closing down their pharmacies in community because that is the area that needs to be addressed. Now, if you've got now, what, what I'm trying to say is that by all means, I respect the pharmacist for sitting on a GP desk, doing a few observations, checking the crackles on the chest. That's fine, but no offence. Who's going to supply that medication? Because end of the day, the way I look at it, end of the day, what does my job now come down to? I have to ensure that medication reaches that patient. Mm -hmm. And how I do that? Okay, that's my business, but end of the day, that's what I'm there for to make sure they receive their medication. Um, whether I get my colleagues, whether I, whether I get my technician to help me with that, whatever, or whether I do it myself, whether I self-dispense and do it myself. But that medication has to reach that patient. Now, if all these pharmacists are sitting there in an administrative role, then the skills that we've been taught at university, they've all just really gone to waste. Because then what we're doing is, I mean, when we shouldn't have to go to university, then, what they, then, then they need to empower the technicians do that final check but that final check is not just a final check of accuracy of dispensing it's also the appropriateness of that prescription yeah. now if we're sitting in the GP position how on earth are we expected then to then self-check the same prescriptions that we've written or our colleagues have written mm -hmm. I just feel as if like it's just completely becoming all very distorted and we're still becoming un unwinged we need to get back to our core principles of pharmacy and just in, give community pharmacists more, from government level, give us more empowerment. Because, you know, what it is, is we see a lot of errors out in community, and it's scary because our, our patients are not in hospital forever. They're not going to be in hospital. They're only in hospital for a snippet of their time. Mm. Some of them, like the conditions I deal with, they're chronic. Mm -hmm. um, I also do home care as I forgot to mention that. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> that's I your long list. Yeah, yeah. sorry, that, that's part of high cost drugs and everything. And okay. home care as well. And um, so chronic conditions, you know, they might be in and out of hospital, but that's not the percentage majority of them. They're with their GPs. And the GPs should be monitoring them. And now I know the GPs are saying we've got too much pressure and, you know, we need help, whatever. But no offence, you're getting paid £85,000 a year. I'm sorry, just do it. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, I'm sorry. You know, now there's, oh, we need pharmacists to help. But that's all very well. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I hear a crackle on a chest, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a chest infection crackle. I don't know if it's a heart failure. 
I don't have that confidence, I've not been to medical school. A six months prescribing course, I'm sorry, does not teach you that. Mm. If that's the case, we can all be doctors and prescribers. You do need that level of expertise sometimes to just be involved in all of that. And I just feel as if like... Um, I think that will have an element of saturation coming to it soon as well. Because mm. you've got doctors out there that won't take on pharmacists prescribers because it's cheaper to take on a nurse. It is, yeah, or ACPs. So finances again come back into the play yeah. of it. And then um, we'd have to again reduce our rate. Yeah. In order to get a job. It's just it's just becoming so so um you know what what I'm trying to say is like pharmacy used to be a career that at the very least you could be a community pharmacist. And that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But now it's turned into like that is one thing that majority of the people don't seem to give that prestige to anymore it shouldn't be like that you know we should make it um it's 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 much more exciting and there's much more opportunities and there's much more sort of um sort of there's much more scope there to progress and be a part of still be part of the multidisciplinary team Mm -hmm. i think also it's quite isolating being a community pharmacist maybe they could maybe these companies could work on a way we can have like a network even if it's like a skype thing on our screens where we can just communicate with the other pharmacists saying, oh, by the way, I've got this Y, X, Y, and Z, you know, what would you do here? I've got this patient, that patient. Not like a little forum that we do in hospital. Mm-hmm. So people are not so isolated. Um, and also you do have a lot of technicians now as well, depending on the dynamics of the place you walk into. <coughs> they govern a lot of our mood and yeah. our well-being. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is the case. If you're strong enough to sort of overlook that and just ignore it, that's very good. Mm-hmm. But not everybody is. Mm. You see, because you don't expect that. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? <laughs> oh dear. Uh... And the weather's the weather's gone completely horrible. This yeah. <laughs> you can hear that in the background. It's rain. <laughs> so me in three words. I think I. I think I'm quite confident now, mm-hmm. but I wasn't always. So I like to think that I'm confident. I like to think that I'm sort of confident, independent. I like to think I'm funny as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. I think they would probably just you know just describe me gen just sort okay. of very generally. Um, but I haven't haven't always had that. You know, sort How of have you built your confidence? By, I think, doing things or being put into situations that you were that were sort of out of your comfort zone, that you probably wouldn't have chosen to be in, and then you find that it actually wasn't as bad as what you thought it was going to be like. Um, so is that a lot through your your position at UKCPA? Yes, yes, because I'm. Um, I am quite a shy person, mm-hmm. um, but working for UKCPA and being the face at events, you know, some of the you know big conferences and things like that, and actually um, being an exhibitor at you know sort of clinical pharmacy congress or the RPS and uh, FIT conference, things like that, mm-hmm. you're sort of put there, and it's sort of you can't can't hide away from it <laughs> you know there's only so there's only so many minutes you can stay behind the stand and nobody notices so you you know you're not there um and it's a case of sort of like just right okay 
big gulp. There we go. Speaking in front of hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, just, just even if it's just sort of one, you know, even one-to-one, you know, sort of just being asked questions and you sort of think, without without having the sheet of you know sort of what questions are you going to be asked you're just being asked there and then what i'm doing now basically (laughs) (laughs) and sort of you know having you know sort of having to you know answer it or you know be able to say no i i don't know the answer i'll i'll come back to you or i'll find it out for you and it's it's sort of knowing when to say no i don't know Mm -hmm. i'll come back to you or, or thinking, you know, but then thinking, does that person think that I should know that answer? Do they think less of me because I don't know that answer? Um, and it's it's actually getting over that hurdle where it's sort of like, well, actually, I'm only I'm doing my best. If I don't know the answer, I don't know the answer. It doesn't matter what you think. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've just got to do I've got to do my best. Yeah. You know. So, and it was sort of that that the stage of getting, you know, getting there. So. So even if now, like, let's say for you, you're heading a conference tomorrow, hundreds of people there, do you still get nervous getting up to the stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, cause, I mean, I, I don't deliver anything. I'm, I'm literally just on the sort of we, we exhibit there, and but we have people coming up, and either it's you know quite often it might just be one or two people, you know, it might actually be a group of people that are, are just sort of you know hanging around, just listening to what you're saying. So, mm-hmm. it's it's. You know, having that, com- you know, having having the the, the um, not sure the word that just the being where you know wary that you that the answer that you give, whilst being asked by one person, also has to necessarily be the the answer that somebody else wants to hear mm-hmm. because if they then don't answer it or you don't give enough detail. Or you give too much detail, does that put the person off that was at the back that you know didn't actually get to the front but just overheard that, so then just wandered off? Did they get the right, you know, mm-hmm. right information? So, in your manager management position, have you like you you, you also learnt a lot through university? Do you still keep up with um, like self help books or empowering books, uh, management books? Or? Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, it's what one of my key things is I just like to learn. So whether that's learning about things I need to do at work or at home or wherever. Or your I, cookbooks. Yeah, or my cookbooks. I just I just, just like to learn. So if, if I identify sort of a learning need for me, then I will find the resources and... So that's being you know, self-aware. Yeah. Self-aware. Okay. And how about yourself? Um... So what was the question? What uh, you like? What? If you could um, describe yourself. describe yourself in three words. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I think my, well, I'd describe myself as assertive. Um, I like to think I'm light, light-hearted. Okay. So I have a light-hearted attitude towards things and. Um, Yeah, so just, I'd like to say assertive, light-hearted, and um, sort of enthusiastic when it comes to work. Um, mm. So, you know, I like to, I mean, there's certain things I always try to show a bit of enthusiasm in this, something that's really 
I, I just know it's not gonna so right for me right for me for his for historical um reasons so in terms of presenting i love presenting mm. so i've always presented in front of hundreds of people and it's never faced me the only thing limiting me is the content of my presentation as long as i've got that i'm fine <laughs> if i haven't got that i might get my view but yeah <laughs> but yeah literally um I, I don't tend to get nervous i think it's because when i was little my mom sent me to drama because as a person i was quite i was quite submissive and i was very quiet my mum was always um she was always sort of conscious of that so she 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 did send me to a drama school where we used to perform in that's theater. really good mm. of her oh yeah i was 11 years old when she did that and immediately every week i'd go for rehearsals and eventually um it's because in her role um she said that she struggles with public speaking so she said it's a skill that will always come in handy Definitely. and I'll, i'm not an actress today but you know when it comes when i'm out on the stage you just got these techniques then yeah. to just help um help you so appear confident almost oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look confident <laughs> look like you know what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah it's um so that's never phased me so if someone says alia go and give a grand like so so it, so basically, um, from early on in my career, I was I was in BPSA and I used mm. to do I used to be the graduate officer and then we we kind of rolled out this um, graduate officer. We give talks to hundreds of people from London, Glasgow, Birmingham at the time. Um, so yeah, I, and then I think Glasgow was a short. It's about thirty people, smaller. So it's thirty, 30 people, and then the rest <coughs> are like ranging between one hundred and fifty to two hundred people. Um, so for pharmacy level, I guess that's 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 as far as I that's the largest audience I've probably presented to. Um, but just generally at university, I'd go out and give just quick announcements and lectures and not lecture itself, but you know, just quick yeah. announcement at lectures, presentations and things like that. I wouldn't be fussed about it. Um, and then I think just recently as well, when it comes to like, so the part of my role, we're rolling out sort of communication that consultants have to adhere to and they can be quite tricky. Um, and literally just going out on grand rounds where it's mainly consultants and doctors and just going standing there and delivering talks and and the thing what i've learned is you can do it from a varied audience from lay members to consultants so you just change the tone of mm-hmm. what you're saying to meet the audience as well so i've gone so i'm also part of what we call british islamic medical association part of this ramadan initiative so it's all to do with health awareness mm. of fasting ramadan and medication mm. optimization and you know specifically targeting diabetes as well yeah um so it's it's, it's all sort of collide it's all in collaboration with diabetes uk and everything so we've got us you've got doctors on there um nadia bakari is in our panel as well now we've got stronger pharmacists. i was one of the pharmacists first pharmacists to have inputted in bima to give them resources and stuff i mean it's voluntary so i'll do that at night time on my phone. It's always on your phone. Ali was on your phone, he was on that phone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I've got Facebook open as well as But anyway he's um that yeah. can still be classed as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah it's um yeah so I think I, I I think I've always sort of I've never been happy with just being a pharmacy student, I've always wanted to sort of, okay, let's join BPSA, let's do get this. And I went into BPSA, then I went into International Pharmacy Federation, yeah. European Pharmacy Federation. I was just not a student. 
<laughs> so so kind of like went all the way around the world. I was like, okay, well, calm down now. You know, <laughs> kind of made it to Bali. You know, I need to calm down now. <laughs> you know, like literally. You know. But um, it was just um, it's just never been so. There's always always I look at things. I think there's more you can do. Yeah. There's so much more you could do, and I've always sort of I don't know why, but even at university, I was juggling everything. So it wasn't just my science on droid wise. I'd had I was doing humanitarian projects for International mm. Federation of Pharmacy. So you just had to make time for that. When uh, the hell did you have time for you and a bit of um, fun? I did have fun as well. I was always out socialising. When did you sleep then? Yeah. <laughs> Even last night I haven't slept. My daughter was after toilet training her and at night time she's in her nappies, constantly changing her. I can't understand the smell of it all. It was just all very I just did one thing I don't probably do is sleep. Okay. Yeah, we compromise on that. Yeah. Your eyes look very good though. Do they? Oh, no, yeah. they've got they're black. They're just the glasses that are um, hiding it. But yeah, I, I don't sleep. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I do. I guess I'm nocturnal. Nocturnal. <laughs> She's an owl. Yeah. yeah Should technically owl. be sleeping. I don't actually I sleep during the day. But no, it's I've always done that, and even now as well. So you know, um, so even when I even before I. Kind of had my baby. I was working seven days because I thought if my husband's going to work, I'll go to work. I'm not sitting at home. I'm going to go visit my. No- I don't want to visit my in-laws. Well, he's not with me. He's at work. I'm gonna go work as well. <laughs> we could go together. <laughs> so I was working seven days. You know, mm. even after work, after my shift at hospital, I take on shift in Tesco pharmacy. Whilst you were pregnant. Oh yeah, I did it once. I was pregnant. He had a headache. I was nine months pregnant. Had to do a Sainsbury's shift. It finished at eleven o'clock. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I think I'm doing my shopping at 11 o'clock at Sainsbury's, you know, biscuits and bobs before I go home. <laughs> my mum said, what are you doing so late at night? <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you're pretty imminent. But no, it was, I think, I think, I just, I just, I can't rest. And, and I don't know, I see, even at the moment, I've calmed down with my work. But then that time is with my little one. Constantly on the go. And I'm always thinking, oh yeah, today I'm going to, she's going to play. She's going to play nicely. And I'm going to get this done and that done and that done. It never kind of happens, does it? No. Because it's like they want they your see, full attention. They see, they see you on a laptop. They see you on a computer. Mama. Yeah. Mama. Yeah. I don't like doing something. He just wants to press the button. So like, yeah. It'd be a lot faster if I could get both of my hands onto that keyboard as opposed to one finger. Yeah. Oh, they obviously, they just, you have so many plans with them thinking it's going to be so efficient. She's going to play nicely in that corner. Oh, no, no. They um, always want to know, do what you're doing. I'm in the room. That's enough. <laughs> but no, they want you it's to entertain them all they, the time. They, they want so. to be with you or they want to see the shiny gadget or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think at the moment it's, it's calmed down. But even then, I've got, like, two separate types of jobs which are equally demanding, equally senior roles. Um, it gives you that diversity. It gives me that diversity, yeah. And I think, and I think that's what's different, and that's and what always, keeps you going as well. I always tell my juniors as well, um, especially the girls, I always tell them, obviously eventually they get married, whatever, kids, or whatever they do, whatever they decide to do. Um, I always say that, you know, um, a job is who you are. I go, you know, some people that oh, I want to cope with a baby in a job, and whether you leave my job. I go, look, that's your choice, but a job is who you are. Mm. It's, it gives you that ability to find yourself it's a reflection of your skills it is yeah and, yeah, it's, and it gives yeah. you that you know like indirectly it's giving you um it's building upon your skills that you would lose inevitably just sitting staying with a child because it's kugu gaga and then you know, it's giving you that empowerment it's giving you that ability to say you know and your day and you, your day like my day feels much more productive when i've gone to work and come home i'm like at least i've done something today <laughs> like what have we done today yeah yeah i went to work 
taking that. Like, I'm not that much I am though, but yeah, but too like. Do you think there's but much uh, empowerment or opportunities for working, that's for mothers who want to come back, but opportunities that? I think it's dependent, it's subjective where they are, okay. and how nice and accommodating their team is. Mm. Okay. And if people want to be awkward, they can. Yeah. Anywhere, hospital, community, um, like I said, corporate settings. Education and learning. Yeah, I, and I think that's something obviously we can't all control because people are so you know, unfortunately they can be calculating and they can find ways to make it very difficult for you or they can make it very accommodating mm. for you. Yeah, but I think you know it's always it's always that's why that's why you know it's always good to keep up your skills. Like don't yeah. just sit on your laurels. Mm-hmm. Like I was telling my like don't just think oh yeah I'm a cardiology pharmacist that's it you know that's it for me no. If you've got the opportunity to learn about total parental nutrition, go every lunchtime and learn. Because you never know when that little skill will you'll need it. Mm-hmm. You never know when that skill will save you because if they find another replacement for you, where do you go? What can you do? So I always I always I always I always tell them, I go, look, as junior pharmacists and people coming to hospital, like you know, from community saying, Oh yeah, we go to hospital, it's fine. They don't they didn't have a shock of their lives, it's hard work in hospital. It's hard you've still got targets to me. No, I different think, I think, clinical I think what, targets I think no. not even just from the community people move from community to hospital i think for students in general it's a big shock it mm. is shocking it's, yeah, it's even even work. not even that first day of being a pre-reg it's that first day of being that student in first year when mm. they have that shock and they see their timetable and they see it says nine till six for the whole week yeah that is a shock it, um, it is a shock, and um, I, I tell you what, I tell you what, Raj is. Um, it's not. It doesn't just end there. You don't yeah, just go to exactly. work. You don't just go to work. Oh yeah, do the ward, do the medrec, do the drug you history. Carry on. No, as a pharmacist, it extends further because you're in a team of multidisciplinary professionals. Nurses know about drugs. Doctors know about drugs. Physiotherapists now they know about drugs. Occupational, the relatives know more about their drugs as well. So why do they need, they need a pharmacist? You've got to stand here. You've got to hold your own. Mm-hmm. In that multidisciplinary team, you've got to hold your own. So it's constant professional mm-hmm. awareness every single day of your life. You've got to hold your own. You've got to stand up for your profession in that team, and you've got to tell them that no, I, you know, it's worth having us here. It's worth having me here on this ward. This is what I contribute. This is what I do. And you've got to constantly do that. And that's what they fail to understand. So that's what that's what that's what my juniors fail to understand. I thought it's it, it's not just it's not just from A to B as long as you meet A to B done it no our challenges are far greater our challenges are far greater because they could even you know like if you think about it you know because doctors are making these mistakes we've been in a profession it's actually it's actually evoked a profession because doctors have been making a mistake but yeah computer mistakes don't get highlighted yeah but you know ours does but you know because they make these mistakes we are in a profession but tomorrow these mistakes have gone what do we do Mm-hmm. We've still got to hold our own, you know, we're still pe- you know, we've still got a lot of skills to offer and it's about making that, it's about making yourself, making them aware of who okay. you are and that's, then only they'll respect you. So with you guys saying that you're in your dream job, yeah, what does the next year or the next five years or the next ten years look like for you guys if you're already in your dream job? Because I was hoping you guys would say you weren't in your dream job. <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I'm in my dream job. I would say I'm happy with my job, yeah. surprisingly. I didn't expect to be this self-assured with it. 
because I was expecting to see some sort of vultures on the way. <laughs> Purely because of the nature of it. But actually everybody's been very nice and you know, everybody's been on the level. I sometimes get the odd email saying, oh, you know, this formula river's not taking how comments are not taken into consideration by one. Don't worry, that's a range meeting, we'll talk about it. And then when they meet you face to face, everybody's much more nicer and mm-hmm. much more calmer and it's 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 just it's a dynamics I've got used to. Yeah. I think it's slightly different. I think for me the clinical aspect was already done and dusted, you know, I've got years to speak for that. And um, I think it's more of the dynamics of meeting all these different healthcare professionals and how you behave is then how they view your profession, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. So, you know, if you, I think, you know, there's it, still a lot to do and I've still got a lot to learn still. So what do you see but yourself, where do you see yourself next year or the next five to ten years? I, think I like to be doing rheumatology clinics, to be honest. Okay. I like to be inputting in that because from a home care perspective, I like to at least look at the ongoing patients that are stable and just take on them. <laughs> I'm trying for that at the mm-hmm. moment, but yeah see how that goes um or you know i'd like to um i mean once i've once i've got that then you know that's my that can say yes i've had my own clinics and i've run my own clinics because I, I don't have i'm not an independent subscriber or anything yet so i don't have that um ability to do that and um i think i would like to sort of have accomplished my formulary but at the same time go with somewhere in nhs digital because a lot of digital um, innovatives that come, you know, innovations that are coming out within, mm-hmm. in, within NHS and that'd be a part of that, like electronic prescribing or mm-hmm. some sort of digitalization where it helps medicine optimization. Um, I would like to say chief pharmacist, but I've seen the amount of rubbish they go through. <laughs> 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 it's not worth that for the extra pennies, is it? <laughs> I'm sure I'll survive. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I think for me at the moment, I'm just keeping my head above the water. Like I said, I'm on a career break. But I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. I've, I've reached a point in my life where I actually like it. And I guess it's not... And because I, I think, you, you, you're doing something fulfilling, but you're still having that time to be a mother as well. I think my perspective has changed in my job as a general. So before I got this promotion in... And I was this advanced sort of clinical pharmacist. I loved it still. Every day was a challenge. But then I got this promotion, and everyone said, you know, what, Leo, you know, people went, it's going to be like this, and it's going to be like, and, and they are like this, and they are like that, and they do this and they do that. <laughs> but it's just, I think my perspective has, has, I've appreciated my job much more than I did before. And I thought I appreciated it before as well, like I said, I'd work like a donkey. And um, I appreciated it quite. I appreciate it much more. I think that as a woman, it's so important to have a job in a career. Like I said, it's who you are. Um, yeah, and I think I think going further, I'd like to be. I mean, I'd like to lead on home care as well. I know my current manager is training me up for that. <laughs> but, uh, I think she is. And um, I think she wants me to lead on that and be far. But She's I, a female. I, oh yeah, she's lovely, 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 lovely lady, lovely lady. Uh, complete English rose, you know, beautiful and very nice and very well mannered and learned a lot from her. Um, but I think what I'd also like to do is be involved in pharma, and I always every single pharmaceutical company that comes to meet me, I always tell them one thing. I said, you know, we need to start looking at our products and making them much more. Looking at the, how it will affect the compliance of our patient, because if it tastes like rubbish, no one's going to take it. 
And I said, you need to take into consideration the vegan population, you know, that the Muslim, like if you, if you address the vegan population, you've addressed a lot of populations there already. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always, I always want, I want to sort of formulate different medications, not in terms of like making it more, um, what's that word, um, sort of helping <coughs> patients take it a bit more. Compliance. Compliance, helping compliance, but comp- what's it called, oh, the words just dictionary is going on my brain but you know just yeah help them sort of take those medications because if you look at some medications there's not much choice that some you know once they've got the once they've got a patent for one type mm. of product they do not modify it or they do not think about things and you've got to sort of remind them say why have you got this product out in the first place is to help people cure their illness or you know maintain their condition or it's to help people get better but if you're gonna give me a tablet the size of a bullet, I'll I'll, I'll think of ten thousand excuses not to take that. <coughs> and medicine wastage as well. Hmm. That is evident of what I'm just saying right now. If the tablet tasted nice and they put a strawberry flavour in it or something like that, then we'd take it, won't we? If we didn't taste like medication, we would take it. But I think you know what's happened is the whole they're just cutting corners there. That is enough, you know. So what if the tablet tastes like powder? And I'm a bit, I'm a bit sort of, I'm a bit, um, I've got a bit more bonnet about the taste because because when I had amina when I when I was pregnant with that hyperemesis, everything made me wretch, <laughs> 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 including my folic acid tablets. Everything made me wretch. So then, then, then from personal experience, that's when I thought thought about it. I thought actually, have, there's people out there that have to take medications every mm. single day. It must taste like rubbish. I had to put a skittle in my mouth afterwards, Bless. just to mask the taste of certain this, this, rub, this yeah. rubbish that go in. And half the half the medications we're dishing them out, we don't even know what they taste like. Yeah. Oral dispersible tablets, you know, we should have more oral dispersible tablets as well. Just make it easy for the patient to take. Coming from mental health background, we're so dependent on these little formulations. Mm-hmm. Um, for every single condition, if we've got the condition under control, there's less hospital administration. There's, there's ho- less hospital admissions, um, and as a health economy, we will be saving money. But at the moment, if we're just going to give them things that taste rubbish, then it's not going to eat. They won't, we don't eat a meal that tastes rubbish. Why not? Because it's medicine. <laughs> people, I mean, people, people do take you know, people do take it. Don't get me wrong, but we sometimes you know they won't. If they could, if if some some medication or some condition as such, once you feel better, you don't see the need to continue taking medication. People do make excuses. And then you see their health condition going up and down. And it's not, it's, it, I don't believe it's because of the health condition going up and down. I believe if they are compliant with their medications, taking it properly, then it shouldn't go up and down. But they'll never admit that they're not taking it. Yeah, properly. there's, there's, there's no way of monitoring that yet. There's yeah. absolutely no way and of monitoring that. A tray, a CDS tray is not enough to say that they've had it. Yeah, you don't know mm. what it doesn't say that. Um, yeah, <coughs> completely not enough. We're not at that stage. We're not at that stage digitally at all yeah. uh, to have a look at that information and just rock it up and say, actually, you know what, you, you did take it, da, 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 or you didn't take it, and you're saying something else to me. Yeah. <laughs> but then that's when the whole big brother thing comes out as well, and I think there's yeah. so much more. But in, at the same um, time, you know, if, if, even if they don't take it, sometimes if you taste half these things, you don't blame them. Yeah. 
for not taking it either. It's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> or just from personal experience, you know, just sort of t- taking paracetamol or ibuprofen, yeah, sort of try and try and have it with a drink, and then if you get stuck in your mouth, then you've had it because you try scrambling around to get a drink so you can get it down because you know that as soon as you swallow, that, that that's just going to be that taste. It's like chalk. Yeah. It's just yeah. like chalk. It tastes like chalk, doesn't it? They just yeah. don't think. They think it's enough. They've compressed the tab. They've compressed the powder, made it into tablet. It's enough. Yeah. It's yeah. like me just giving giving my husband just uh just I don't know just say cooked chicken with no sort of taste seasoning or sauce on or it or seasoning or anything. Yeah, <laughs> you just have this chicken. You know, he he want flavour to it. Yeah. <laughs> so and we'd have a supermarket for drugs. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it, the thing is, that's what I'd like to sort of go into. And I'd always always have this conversation with my farmer reps as well. With That's everything, it. everyone appears to like chocolate. Just everything just needs to be chocolate flavoured. Yeah. <laughs> Women <No>. like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the endorphins up. In yeah. <laughs> Men are generally savoury. <laughs> they can have chilli flavour though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I always have these um, conversations with farmers. So I'd like to be involved in some sort of farmer as well, but looking at development accommodations, okay. ideally. So that would be my dream job where I feel as if I am adding value and making an, a difference. And then I think the way it will speak is if you audit the compliance rate, those habits. And what about yourself? Yeah. I think, I I mean, I'd, I'd, I love being at UKCPA, so I'd, I'd, I sort of see me here as sort of as, as long as, you know, whenever. Um, but I do like to be you know, sort of making things more efficient and streamlining things and getting the best out of, you know, sort of both the, 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 the admin, the team, you know, everything so as we can serve the members better. So I, I guess that I'd, you know, whereas I still see myself as being here doing this, doing, doing this job, I see, you know, sort of, you know, more projects coming along to better the association because we are quite you know we are quite small and um because we haven't got um, a lot of money money is generally an, in, an an issue for you know sort of bringing in new technologies and you know ways of not only delivering education but the way that we manage the office you know with you know, databases and crms and things like that mm-hmm. so um it is nice to be able to think that in those you know in the next few years I'll be a part of building on that. So I don't want to say, oh, well, I'll just still be here at UKCPA because whilst, yes, I, I do see myself as just being here at UKCPA. Bringing change I see the that there's a lot of, you know, changes and, you know, things coming along as well. So, and it's that that, you know, I look forward to. Okay. And what would you like to see in future events? If we were to do any more women in pharmacy events, what would you like to see? Um, people turning up. I, th- I think um, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear about um, how something has been identified actually as an issue for women and how they've overcome it, or how you know, how you know how that was chal- You know how it was either challenged or just how they made it a more positive you know, experience okay. and that they can then pass that on to somebody else who might be a little bit unsure, not quite, you know, not have that confidence to approach their their line manager or something, but with assistance from somebody else, 
it might give them a, a, a different way of actually yeah, approaching yeah. it and going saying you know saying something to make their mm-hmm. you know their their job a little bit so almost better. like case studies like, sort of yeah yeah, yeah. Um, where I see myself. Uh, what would you like to see in the future events? Yeah, um, I would like. I think I mean, it'd be nice to obviously. It was a shame not everybody could make it today. That's a real shame, actually. But um, it, it's nice a if you know if they could find an incent more stronger incentive to try and come. But at the same time, you know, each one can be given a task or something to present or something like that. We do in our okay. meeting something to report. Okay. about or something to discuss you know in their field and you know give give them that level of give it equal importance say that look we are depending on your report and what you've got to say so even if they're not here even if they submit something at least that way we can we can see their contribution mm-hmm. i'm sure there's people that are absent here today would have a lot to contribute yeah. as well mm-hmm. a lot to say yeah but because you know we've not got that level of correspondence from them we don't know what's going on with them but yeah, it's, it, it, I think, you know, um, as women, it's, it's, it's very important to empower each other yeah. um, and to support each other. Um, some, sometimes, unfortunately, they, they can come across as, you know, being insensitive and not supporting one another. But I think if we dig deep, everybody sort of sings from the same hymn sheet, we all have the same mm-hmm. issues. You know, we can also, there's, there's, yeah. there should be some common ground in conversations. It, it's not, it's very far and few. You'd get that odd bad seed. Yeah. What my husband would call an alpha bitch. <laughs> That's what he calls them, but she's an alpha bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. far and few. Um, it's just being yeah. aware and looking out for the signs. They do give signs. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. But if you hold true to yourself and support one another we can all coexist we can, uh, yeah we can all coexist yeah. we can all learn from each other like yeah. i said like with case studies and stuff yeah. like that many women out there have gone through so many different things, things yeah, uh which we even did a standard google search we wouldn't even be able to understand how to go mm. through that process or what the process was and how they overcame it and things like that um so yeah i think we could be able to learn lot from that yeah. be a good, it, I think it'll be a good networking as well because yeah. if they are involved from wherever localities they come from they may be pioneering <coughs> projects for instance and mm-hmm. it's, it's always you, you never know when you need to send an email out yeah. to ask um, for their guidance or mm-hmm. their policy or anything they can be share and it's about sharing your information and helping support each other mm-hmm. so that's what I've discovered in the whole pharmacy profession there is no streamline yeah um, unfortunately, hospitals all all operate independently. Yeah. And another thing I'd like to do, if I was a high up, one of the gods of the hospital, I'd like to streamline the NHS, yeah. especially in pharmacy. It all seems to have their own sort of sort of little sort of local yeah. individual system. There should be a set system everywhere. Yeah. Same one, same procedures, same protocol. So nobody has to adapt too much when they're going from yeah. different locality to different locality different mm. locality you see um but yeah inevitably there are th- there are politics but wherever there's two more than one person there's always going to be politics yeah there's always politics it's, it's always just whether you be, yeah. choose to listen to him or not yeah. <laughs> choose to listen to him or make your own recipe along the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i agree with making my own recipe yeah. so, what, what, so Raj, do you have your own business what is it about I um, am a founder of uh, Farm Mastery, 
which is a online student education portal. What kind of student education? Um, so it covers key life skills and competencies. Everything out there that I saw was all uh, pre-ridge based. Yep. Yeah. Had to pass your exam, do mock, mock, mock exams and things like that. But having been in the background where I've interviewed thousands of students, um, their key basic life skills and competencies were completely lacking. I could see something in that student, but their CV and their portfolio would would be screaming at me to say, you can't offer them that job. Yeah. Um, so with the portal, it takes you back all the way to first year. So from first year up until pre-age year, you're developing on those sort of skills. Okay. I'm trying to get them out of that mind frame of just regurgitating their lecture notes, because that's, all, that's how they learn. They've now moved from white paper to whiteboards. So, mm. you know, they're taking some element of environmental effect onto yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, that's still all they do. That's all they do is regurgitate lecture notes, which in effect doesn't aid understanding of bringing all of it together and um, <coughs> helping them challenge OSCE stations or, or understand any uh, clinic events that they go to and stuff sure. like that. So trying to combine it and make a platform designed by the students, for the students, is, is essentially my mission. I want them so that they, when they get to the stage of being in the pre-reg year, collating things like competencies is second nature. So, so work experience, they've got a competency workbook that they work through, get that signed off by a shooter, because a lot of work experience that they do through, through universities, it's never looked at. So a lot of them now just don't even bother filling it in. They're going into these work placements where all they do is stock a shelf and that's it. And I'm like, that is not exactly empowering you for the role that you're going to be qualified to be in. Um, so I'd rather them be equipped with a solid foundation to their learning, um, have that greater portfolio so that their skills and their unique skill set shines so that when they are pre-reg, they can focus on the task at hand, which is looking at the prescriptions with a clinical hat on, looking at the services, speaking to your customers, leading a team, mm. not just heading the books, da, 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 I've got this to revise today, I've got this to do today, da, 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 da. you should already have that under check because that understanding should be there from the get-go. So one of my main missions now is to... Um, uh, speak to some of the universities and get some test beds in mm. um, and that's part that's the first phase of farm mastery there's a couple more phases to come through um, I've just recently started a mentoring program uh, farm ally so that's got um, mastered pharmacists so anyone that's like has made something of themselves made a title of themselves within the profession they give back to students and graduates once a month, at least half an hour. The uh, mentees have got a workbook that they work through. The mentors have got um, an actual guidebook that they go through as well, which I devised um, to help identify any key development areas that need to be worked on that is, is going to hinder them if they don't correct it in, in their career progression. Um, and I'm also a co-founder of uh, Pharmacy. Uh, which is PHWRMCY, where we look at digital solutions for pharmacy. So at the moment we're looking at uh, 
wearable technology and combining that with um, long-term health conditions so like diabetes and compliance and things like that. Alright, so you know, there's a lot of test strips now connected to Wiser, Teresa, Libra, mm -hmm. things like that as well. Um, a lot of test strips now, they're connected to like a, I don't know, I don't say a lot, the ones that I saw anyway, they're connected to like an iCloud. Yeah. Um, but everyone, everyone walks around on a mobile phone. Mm. That's already collecting yeah. data. That is already collecting data. It's what you use with that data. Some people are now starting wearing wearables and things like that. It's, it's trying to combine the digital side of it with the pharmacy side of it and yeah. see what we can try and come out with, Did it, especially when it comes with long-term conditions. <coughs> Did it stem from Theresa May wearing the free San Libra? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about moving pharmacy from paper. <laughs> paper and actually getting the customer more involved. You forget when you're wearing things like this and you're wearing like a, a smartwatch, you completely forget. You just carry on with your daily yeah. habit. We forget that the microphone's in the middle of the room. We just forget. We just carry on. But whilst we're carrying on, it's collating data. Mm. And that data could be completely beneficial even, to, even for a clinical trial oh, yeah, and definitely. things like that. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously, classic, you know, predominant conditions like diabetes and stuff, it's just, in there. It's just that imperative to have these to hand for the practitioner yeah. mm -hmm. and the you know any sort of healthcare professional that can act upon it mm -hmm. and um, I, I actually spoke to farmer as well and I said can you please do it in preparation of Ramadan <laughs> because you get a lot of Muslims that are on diabetes that they suddenly think okay the right to fast is okay not take my not take my medication it's only a whole day I'll take care at the end of the day but their blood glucose go yeah. up and down up which and is down. not safe another thing is um there is this level of education as well they sometimes don't realize that actually just testing your blood glucose does not break your fast from a religious perspective oh. so they won't but they think it does yeah. so they won't test you oh. so if the gp's seen that actually i haven't got a reading it's been about <coughs> 17 hours i've not had a reading whatever you know alarm bells just start reading you know um, ringing and at least they can be in a position to mm -hmm. you know just intervene Really, yeah. but saying that you know, I've gone, I've gone out to um, mosques and everything, and I've delivered some talks. Obviously, we don't catch everybody, do you? But uh, you know, people that came, and um, you know, we got a lot of sort of religious scholars, like religiously astute people, to give an insight from what the religious teachings are, from different schools of thoughts as well, and we kind of put it out there to people that these are the rules, and ha this is how you sort of combine it with your medications. And another thing we wanted to do also is target, you know, the vegetarian like community as well. And certain other religions hold fasts and hold customs and mm -hmm. things, which could, you know, I don't know if indirectly or directly affect how they take their medications, their health, their conditions, even things like physical exertion, going for like a pilgrimage somewhere. Mm -hmm. Lots of things mm -hmm. to take into yeah. consideration. You know, it's it's about modifying your lifestyle to fit to fit your. Um, medication as well and your health you know professional your professional having that opportunity to be aware of it so he can intervene mm -hmm. if he's unaware then he can't do anything obviously mm. well looking at things like the data it will something simple like measuring your steps or your sleep pattern will yeah. quite easily for me as a pharmacist be able to determine why you're binge eating yeah yeah if you're not sleeping you're not walking anywhere then you're gonna gain weight <laughs> yeah 
but that they can't exactly tweak that information i'll quite easily see if they've not been wearing the device or yeah. anything like that so you can't exactly you can't go around and mending it or anything like that it's just one of those things you can't escape from but that's that's the future like um future is, is more digital uh, yeah, and, that, and that's digital. the way that's the way we've got to try and adapt our profession towards it and things like that yeah but um, I oh, thank you for your input, guys. Thank you. Um, thank you. I'll hopefully try and get some more data and, and stuff like that, especially case studies and things like that for next time. Um, and oh, yeah, I'll take that on board, um, getting everyone to do something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I was thinking of ways to try and get people to come. I mean, it was it's a shock, uh, but I'd probably like to say to the listeners, um, it's there's a a parade going on today that none of us were aware of until we rocked up this morning. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So they've they've closed the roads yeah. down and things like that. But so that um, that's still you know digital. Uh, it's just one of those. I think um, I, did, I mean hopefully you got apologies as well from people so. We had a, we did have a couple, yeah. um, 